like a sob Nothing good but mob Under the steps and dirt that was a dungeon, no flood Out of school or off of work or smoke a blunt and go for it Nigga rolling up the roaches when the shit got short Kiss your bitch on the porch, walk her back to a car Pat the pussy, slap her tail and tell her see you tomorrow Pocketbook to match the nail, she never needed a prop I can tell that bitch with hell, she probably needed a father For the record, me too, what the hell could we do? Let your older partners raise you, watch them do what they do Now I pull over just in case I got a snooze when I crew Now I know we awesome, baby, they were just learning too I'm hula hooping, double dutching, kickballing that hoe New maneuver, no discussion, fuck them, all of them hoe What's the dungeon or home? Home for misfits Sleeping on the floor, then wake up when you smell something lit Get. Who won't smoke? Who won't smoke? Who won't smoke? Who won't smoke? No cigar. No cigar. Hello everyone, you listening to J Movie Talk episode 183 as I'll be talking the way of the gun. You sure you don't want to take a ride with me? Anything in cash? I wish I could, but uh, yeah. you're, I'm a bad man. You are a bad man. Until that day then, huh? Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm back. Um, yeah, I took a little hiatus after episode 182, uh, just to kind of get through the Thanksgiving um, holiday or whatnot, because I had a lot going on and everything like that. And I just wanted to take a little break. So, um, yeah, that's why there's been a long period of time between the last episode and this episode. But I'm back and kicking off the month of December with some um, interesting uh, action movies. And decided to kick it off with uh, this movie, The Way of the Gun, which came out in 2000. And the movie is officially 20 years old at this point, which is kind of crazy um, and everything. Uh, it was directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who's probably at this point in time in the year 2000 was best known for being the guy who wrote The Usual Suspects. And everything and this was actually the first movie he directed um well yeah it was the first movie he, he directed and it was made on a 21 million dollar budget and it only made 13 back so yeah that was not a a good um money-wise opener for him but i know as time has gone on this movie has kind of developed somewhat of a cult classic uh, status and everything because it has a great cast um, and it has an interesting story um, or whatnot, which I'll go through as I talk about this movie. Um, but as far as Christopher McQuarrie, I mean, like I said, he was best known at the time for being the guy who wrote The Usual Suspects. And now he's probably best known for being the guy who's taken over the the uh, Mission Impossible franchise along with Tom Cruise and has taken it to bigger heights than where it started or where it was in uh, 2000 at that point. Um, and 
I, I believe they're planning on trying to take this franchise into space or something like that. Or Tom Cruise just wants to do something in space. I don't know, but it'd be crazy to see where they go forward with this, with these movies, um, and everything. But, um, Christopher McCore, he's, he's a director that I've come to like. I like his style. Um, I enjoyed what he did with Jack Reacher, um, and everything, which was his first team up with Tom Cruise. And I guess they just have a good working relationship because it's like Tom's like, Hey, I want you to direct the franchise of mission impossible now. So yeah, I just got I kind of like his style and this movie in particular, I really like his style with it because it puts me in the mind frame of some of my favorite directors who genre directors who probably would have directed the movie similar like this and i'm talking about likes of like a sam peckinpah or even like a walter hill um who has similar ish styles as far as when it came to the action and also from a storytelling standpoint um i could see a bit of their influence now whether or not he used them as inspiration or or influence for how he directed this movie i'm not sure but at least for me watching it i could see some of their style in him directing this movie or whatnot um speaking of the cast um like i said this this cast is it's an interesting collection of character actors um and everything that's in this movie so we get our main characters of ryan philippe ryan philippe who's Mr. Parker and Benicio del Toro, who's Mr. Longbow. And I'll come back to what's interest interesting about the fact that their names are Parker and Longbow in a second. Um, but we have Juliette Lewis as Robin, Tay Diggs as Jeffers, Nikki cat as Obrix, Jeffrey Lewis as Abney Mercer, Dylan Cusman as Dr. Alan painter, Scott Wilson, Herschel from the walking dead himself as Mr. Chittick, Kristen Learman as Francesca, Francesca Chittick, um, James Kahn as Joe Sarno, and Sarah Silverman. She shows up in this movie, and it's funny that she's credited as Raven Bitch because that's kind of what she is. She is Raven in, in in the small part that she does have in this movie, um, and everything. Just funny that that's the name they give her character in probably the most interesting name for a character in this whole movie um is from this which i refer to him as like the fake cheech marin because he looks like cheech marin in this movie but his character shows up late in the movie and his name is question mark and his that's literally the name that he's given and i have some theories about why he was named question mark or whatnot but i talk about that when i get to that as well so going back to the fact that um parker and longbow and the fact that because ryan phillips he's narrating the movie and he says for purposes my name you can call me mr parker and my partner's name mr longbow and for anyone who knows those were the that's the real names of the butch cassidy and sundance kid that's that was their real names parker and longbow so with that kind of knowing or whatnot you kind of know what you're getting into with these characters but i would say that they're a little bit more extreme um than what butch cassidy and sundance kid was especially with how this movie opens where 
basically like outside of this, I want to say bar or, or whatever. And there's a bunch of people around and we see Parker and Longbow. They come out of the place and they walk past the camera. He's like, oh, OK, whatever. And it goes to Sarah Silverman and her boyfriend, this, this redheaded dude um, and everything. And we hear this car alarm go off and the guy he takes out and he takes his keys out and he turns off the alarm and next thing you know you see what Sarah Silverman starts yelling and screaming at them and this that and other because they're sitting on the car and everything so they end up walking over to them well after um Parker's tail turns around and tells tells the dude to to tell her to shut up before he comes over there and fuck starts her head which somebody randomly laughs off camera and i don't know if that was meant to happen or if somebody just thought it was really funny and they just burst out laughing but it it played it made the scene even more funny because of that because like who says that right so because she's feeling embarrassed or whatnot she basically boasts her boyfriend up to go over and beat him beat up parker and everything and they get into it but what's funny about this is that instead of them you know getting into the fight with the guys parker he hauls off and starts punching the hell out of sarah silverman right in the face and then they grab him and then Longbow and the others is off on the side and he kisses this one girl who spits in his face and then he smashes her foot and everything and then they just basically get mugged on the ground and everything and they're left beaten and bruised and whatnot and my understanding from the reason why they did this is because the reason why they did this is because they knew they were going to lose this fight because I mean, it's like a bunch of dudes and just them. Right. So their thinking is, yeah, you're going to beat me up, but you're going to have to deal with your women being beat up and assaulted as well. And you're going to have to deal with that. And in a way that's kind of smart but at the same time it's like why would you put yourself in a situation where you have to do something like that and i never really understood like what was the point of the beginning of this movie even though towards the end of the movie it does kind of come full circle with how they are left and everything but what was the point of this opening scene i really don't know um and everything so so we get this interesting scene where Parker and Longbow, they decide to go, I guess, be sperm donors because they basically live off the grid in a way. And how they ended up together is never explained, but they have like this weird friendship relationship or whatever to where they just kind of happen upon each other and they just kind of drift or whatnot. And we don't get any type of backstory about them, but we know that they are military trained because of how they handle themselves and everything. Um, but they're just living off the grid type of thing. So to make extra money, they donate sperm or whatnot. And while they're there, they're getting interviewed and this, that, and the other. And we just kind of get the, the thinkings of when we get into the mind of like how both characters think in a way. And Parker's this like this freaking madman who just flies off on tangents and this that and the other and has a thing about homosexuality and stuff like this and whereas Lonebow is more cool and calm but he asks he asked the uh, guy like these 
off the wall questions which freaks him out and he tells him like well you should ask those type of questions to people who come in here because you never know what type of person you're getting and type of thing but it lets you know like how each character thinks um and it's even though it's supposed to be played up for last or whatnot but i think this scene nowadays wouldn't fly so well especially with some of the stuff that ryan Phillippe character says it would not fly um and everything especially with him talking about homosexuality and and certain things in regards to that and everything but um but while they're there they overhear the doctor on the phone talking about um this pregnant woman who is pregnant for the chittics and that you know there's a hundred not a hundred but a million dollar insurance like on her basically or whatnot and they overhear this so we so they basically come up with this plan like to kidnap her but we we get to see who exactly the chittics are and that's um scott wilson and christine lehrman as hal and francesca chittick and everything and he's this wealthy businessman and she's his you know trophy wife to some extent because we get some backstory that yeah i guess his original wife i guess she died or something like that and he ended up marrying her but how they got together we'll never know but the movie kind of insinuates that she's not for his best interest she has her own ulterior motives um as far as certain things but it's not played out as far as the story it's almost like you as the viewer you kind of you kind of interpret your own backstory for her um to some degree and i thought it was interesting like how her character is played out in this movie where she's mostly in the background and she's always listening and there's a few instances in the movie where there's characters talking in the foreground and she will either walk past in the background but you know that she's listening or had been listening or you will see a character they're talking in another room and then the camera will find her like off on the side somewhere listening and i thought it was interesting like how that is played up and and everything but they never like truly go too too deep in like what exactly is her character motives and also there's like this little there's this scene where we find out that she has this thing with tay diggs's character and it's like okay what exactly is this all about and could it have been something going on to where they might have been planning to get the old man out the way to do something but like i say they they give us just enough of stuff like that but they don't go too too far with it which is one of the things about this movie that i didn't really like but i understand like the story that they're telling they're trying to keep it going but they just give you like a little they give you enough of this side stuff just to kind of make you wonder hmm okay what exactly is that all about um or whatnot so um so yeah we we find out that uh robin played by juliette lewis is the surrogate for the chittix and everything and francesca she has some type of she feels a type of way about robin anyway but uh hal he he seems to be genuine towards her um even though later in the movie he kind of just throws up his hands like 
effort. All I care about is the baby. But at least at this point, he does seem to like genuinely care about her and how she feels. Maybe he just acting like that just to keep her, you know, calm and everything as far as, you know, having their baby. Because I'm pretty sure that is like a that has to be like a a mind fuck type of a thing of where you're pregnant but it's not your baby and you're just you're carrying this baby for someone else and you should not have any emotional attachment to this baby even though it's inside of you i'm pretty sure that kind of weighs heavy on women who who does that um and everything so she goes to her doctor's appointment with dr painter and you know and everything and they have a little conversation and doing this whole meeting he tells her about he he tells her something but instead of us hearing it only she hears it and it's like okay well what the hell is that but while she's while she's at this um doctor's appointment parker and lonebow have basically been staking out and waiting and jeffers he realizes that you know that these guys well at least he saw parker at least like okay there's a guy out front let's let's kind of keep an eye on him because we don't know exactly what he might be up to he looks kind of shady so let's let's kind of keep our eyes open or whatnot so he wasn't wrong on this because the way parker and lonebow do this where she's coming out um with uh jeffries and obricks you know in the front and in the back and she's in the middle and before she leaves, uh, Dr. Painter does give her this videotape just telling her, like, oh, here's some um, here's what I was telling you about um, in regards to your pregnancy. But it's like we're not really supposed to pay attention to that, at least. So they're leaving. And the way they play this of where we see a man standing in the corner reading a newspaper, which we find out is Longbow. And right before um, Robin, along with the bodyguards, walk past, he walks across from them and coming from outside we see where parker is coming down the hallway he puts on the ski mask well stocking i should say not really a ski mask more of a stocking really and obrix who's in the front he realizes this so as he's going to draw his gun and jeffries comes around in front they're both eyeing him so much that they don't realize that Lonebow has come around from behind and grabbed robin so we get this standoff with them and here you're thinking okay they're just gonna get robin and go type of thing but it doesn't work out that way because Ulbricht and jeffers are not your normal bodyguards to some degree they're they basically instead of them putting down their guns and just letting them go they actually take their guns and cock them ready to shoot and they actually aim at the baby and everything which parker can't get his mind wrapped around and everything so they kind of like, okay, this this isn't going how we planned it, so let's just get the hell out of here. Maybe we can, either we can do this a, again at some point, or we're just going to cut our losses and go. That was their plan as they, you know, stagger exit out of the, uh, out of the building and everything. But as they go outside, they get into a shootout with uh, the rest of Jeffrey's team outside and and everything. And then this is where it gets interesting because. Oh, uh, Obrich, he goes and he goes run out to get in the shootout as well. But Jeffrey, he takes Robin to this elevator and he puts on the elevator, tells her to go to the top floor and wait for him up there until everything is clear. And he leaves and he goes with his partner and everything. And right before the elevator door closes, Robin 
she stops it and she comes out and like I say, she's nine months pregnant. So she's waddling, trying to get out of it. And you think, okay, well maybe she's going to go out the back door or something. No, she comes out the freaking front door where the guns of firing and everything. She's right in the heart of the battle and everything like that. And Parker manages to grab her and they end up getting in the truck and they take off whatnot so it kind of raised a question like hmm why exactly did she do this um type of thing and they even asked that later on in the movie like why did she why why would she do that um type of thing so my question is why did robin try to flee what was the point of her trying to flee especially at this point in time she probably had other opportunities to do it but she used this time to try to leave just so happened she ends up getting kidnapped um and everything which um which is kind of interesting and it kind of doesn't make sense for why she does it but later on through some dialogue when we find out her attachment to another character or whatnot it's like okay well maybe she had a plan and he was gonna be a part of it type of deal um but juliette lewis in this movie plays a very interesting role um she's always been a very good actress um and everything she's played like some interesting characters especially early on in her career but the character of robin it could have i think it could have went a different way not necessarily in a good way um if another actress would have played it but juliette lewis gives the character just that much more i want to say vulnerability especially later in the movie when she's starting to have complications with the pregnancy because she's starting to hemorrhage or whatnot and everything it just you start to feel feel for her but at the same time you realize like she's a strong woman especially when she actually gets to drop on parking alone by and it's funny like seeing this pregnant woman in a bed with a shotgun and just blew a hole through the uh, doorway at them and everything it's just that's a that's a funny shot or whatnot but the way she plays this character i really enjoyed it and it just it make you think more about the character as a whole as the movie goes on too in regards to how did she get to this point how did she you know become the surrogate what plan was she working with someone else um and everything and just just little things about the character makes you wonder like how did she get to this point what was her life like before she was the surrogate to the chittics and everything it just kind of makes you wonder um or whatnot so i I kind of been talking about it a little bit as i've been talking about the movie that this movie it tells its story and it tells the story that it wants to tell but also there seems to be like a story being told that we as the audience are not supposed to know anything about we get bits and pieces of it but uh, oh excuse me um we get bits and pieces of it but it's like there's a there's a there's a movie inside of a movie and like i say because of the fact that christopher mccrory wrote usual suspects and his form of storytelling with that movie you know it was you know a, a story inside of a story really or whatnot i felt like what he did with this story because he did write this one as well what he did with this story was he's telling us a main story but 
we're not seeing the other story that's being told. We we kind of get glimpses of it or whatnot through through certain dialogue, but we don't actually see any of it truly plays out um, for the most part because of the fact that Christopher McCoy wrote this movie. It warns that, okay, maybe he was trying to do something here that to get something over on people. But like I said, I could just be assuming that um, just from me watching the movie and everything like that. But the fact that we get this main story that's being told and then on the outside of that, well, I should say on the inside of that, really, we have this other story that's being told, but where the audience are not being shown any of this just through certain scenes and certain lines of dialogue and everything, because it makes you wonder why Jeffries does what he does towards the end of the movie. When he takes Robin to this safe house, basically, and he meets up with the guy named question mark. Why is his name question mark? Who exactly is he? And the fact that Jeffries is this, this top flight bodyguard security agent who is aligned himself with Francesca. It's like, there's something going on here that we don't know, but like I said, we're not really told any of this. Like I said, just certain things that were shown. So it kind of make you question certain things and everything. But I do like the fact that this movie it does kind of let the audience kind of make up their own story as far as stuff that we are only shown glimpses of and there was potential for even more of a story to be even unfolded um with that so that's one of the things i did like about the movie but at the same time i don't like because you kind of sit there like okay because just going by the main story that we get here you kind of question certain things and why certain things is not told and and everything so it, it leaves the viewer a lot in the dark and i think when i always had this thought process of when a movie does that when because I, I always feel like us as the viewer of a movie and of a tv show we should know certain things more so than the characters that are on screen and they should know a little bit more than what we know at certain points but not overall but i feel like this movie all the characters in the movie know more than what the audience is being shown and there's even a scene in the movie when james Kahn is talking to dr painter and he tells him he says you don't even know everything that was going on in there see and and that's kind of like sums up the movie really like we as when you're watching this movie you don't fully understand what you're seeing there's more there's more smoking smoking mirrors and screens going on here than what you are actually witnessing and everything i feel like that one scene pretty much sums up this entire movie that we as the viewer don't know half of what exactly is going on but we just kind of have to sit and just watch it to the end and i think that's one thing why this movie didn't do so well um and things like that because i know uh, like a lot of audiences they don't want to have to really overthink when it comes to certain movies um and with how this movie was promoted you shouldn't have to overthink it should have been just a clear-cut kidnapping and you know action type movie that's what it should have just been but 
when you start watching the movie and you realize oh it's multi-layered and this that and the third and it's like i don't think people really wanted that um and everything so i think that's one reason why the movie didn't do as well as it did um so after the whole kidnapping we get this very interesting chasing uh with parker and lonebow trying to get away from jeffries and over it said you don't really get a chasing like this especially when you get to a point where they're literally walking their cars and everything it's funny to see that like that how that scene plays out but they literally have one foot out the driver and the passenger both cars have one foot out and they're literally walking the car and it's like what the hell is that who comes up with that but like i say it's a funny scene to, to see really um so after they eventually get away or whatnot um that's when we find go back to the chittics um and everything and we see where hal he calls um his i want to say his number one kind of adjudicator as he says later on and that's joe played by james Kahn and everything and just come up with a plan to how to get robin back safe and sound and everything also at the same point in time the reason why he has to make this phone call is because jeffries and Oberst ends up getting arrested or whatnot so they're in jail and then joe goes to see them and just to get the full story of like what exactly happened and everything and they kind of get back get into it in a back and forth and they just you know and it's funny like how bagman is tossed around as a derogatory word for old man that's kind of been in this line of work and james Conn he joe he basically tells tells uh, over he's like you know what you know what you know, youngster about this business about a broken down old man you know is that he's a survivor or whatnot and i just thought it was kind of interesting especially when we get to the end of the movie because it kind of holds true um and everything but yeah he's called in to help fix this situation he's more like a fixer like a cleaner well not a cleaner but more of a fixer really um is the character of joe and he he tries to assemble his team and what's funny about it is that he well well before that so um we we get this scene where jeffrey lewis who is juliet lewis's real life father he's in his home he's sitting on the couch he has these guns like placed on his table and you see him load one gun and then he kind of spins the barrel because they're all they're all six shooters basically and he just puts a bullet in each basically puts a bullet in each one and then he puts them in this bag spins the bag puts it back down on the table untwirls it puts his hand inside and takes out one gun and puts it to his head and he pulls the trigger but while he's doing all of this the phone is ringing and it's like he's he gets so annoyed by the fact that the phone is ringing that he literally stops and then he finally picks it up but basically we're seeing him basically trying to kill himself before he answered the phone and when he answered the phone it's joe basically calling like catch up see what he's up to and everything like that and he's like you're a little drunk you're like yeah a little bit and everything and you see where joe had crossed off pretty much everybody's name on this list of people that he's calling except for abner mercer who is jeffrey lewis character and the fact that 
if he probably waits just a little bit longer to call him, he probably doesn't get him because he probably ends up blowing his brains out. But why was he planning on blowing his brains out? We we, we don't know. It's like what was this? What had got him to that point? But we don't know. Uh, type of thing. But it's just funny how that plays. It's like this dude was literally about to kill himself, um, and everything. So he gets him basically to be a part of this uh fixer team to you know have to go and get Robin. Um, and everything. And what's funny about this is that this is actually the first time that Juliet Lewis and Jeffrey Lewis, father and daughter, was in the same movie together. And they actually do share one scene, but it's not a scene that is really memorable for the fact of the two of them being in the scene together. And one thing about this, I would have, I think, and I don't know if they did this on purpose or whatnot but the fact that it comes out later that that joe is actually robin's dad i think it would have been cool if they would have had jeffrey lewis play joe and probably got somebody else to play um sir uh mercer um i don't think james Conn would have played mercer hell he could have played chittick um if anything but if they would have had jeffrey lewis play joe in regards to robin and we find out that joe is robin's dad just to have him play that um i think that would have been kind of cool or whatnot but i guess for whatever reason they they didn't do that i guess it would have been too on the nose like oh hey real life father daughter they're gonna play father daughter and you know in the movie type of thing it would have been too much especially when it's more of a secret that joe is robin's dad or whatnot so i guess that's kind of why they didn't cast cast him as the joe character but it would have been cool to have him play that role especially with how joe is in regards to his daughter and the fact that it's even said a few times in the movie like his emotional involvement to this you know situation clouds his judgment to some degree and at first you don't realize like what exactly does that mean but then when you find out that robin is his daughter and it's like oh okay it makes sense now um or whatnot so but yeah it would have been cool like to have them have a little bit more screen time together or whatnot but the story that we're we're seeing here it doesn't call for that it's just that one scene outside this motel where these uh federales show up and and she's there and freaking it's funny how this car comes flying up they're driven by overs he does this like three-point turn and everything and then they get out the car and it's like what the hell is that and everything but that's the only time that they have any screen time together in this movie. Um, speaking of James Conn in this movie, um, his character is very interesting. Like I say, it's talked about like him being this broken down old man who basically wants to retire from being a bag man, a fixer, if you want to call it that, um, to where he is doing his best to try to fix this situation. Um, because, I think if it, this was a different movie, that character would have been played very different than what we get here. Because when he first come in, we think, okay, he's going to come in. He's like the big bad, you know, fixer guy, this, that, and the other and everything. But then as the movie kind of unfolds, you realize he's kind of vulnerable himself. And in regards to a lot of stuff, he doesn't, he doesn't really do 
what you might think that he would do as far as like, you know, getting his team together and they're going to go in and they're going to get Parker and Longbow and they're going to get the girl, you know, type of thing. It's not played so much like that, even though there's a few instances where it is, but it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go um, in regards to his character and the way James Conn kind of plays, it, especially later in the movie when Robin is in labor and he comes into the room and he sees her there and just how she's looking so you know vulnerable basically and like how he just wants to protect his child but dr painter is like like there's nothing you can do here and it's like one of the few times like he he's in a situation where he can't do anything but let me go do this one thing i know i can do um and just how james con kind of plays it with the emotion especially in his eyes and in a few scenes i really enjoy like how his character is kind of it's kind of played up because it kind of goes against the grain of what we would assume this character, especially in a different movie. This character would have been completely different, I think, in a different movie. But for this movie, the way they play it up, where he's you thinking he's one way, but you realizing like, hey, he's just as kind of complex and, you know, an emotional wreck to some degree as well. But he he puts on a facade. And that's what a lot of people in this movie does. They put on facades a lot, too. So after this whole thing of where joe finally gets involved he goes to actually see um where parker and longbow are at this road stop motel basically and he ends up meeting up with longbow and they actually have like this friendly conversation almost kind of getting to know each other type of thing um whatnot and he tells longbow like hey you sure you don't want to take a ride with me you know get this money or whatnot and Longbow is like, you know, I wish I could, but you are a bag man and everything, which in other words, like you can't be trusted. Like, yeah, I take a ride with you. I end up dead somewhere or whatnot. Like, no, but but it was good that we met and everything type of thing. And then they go their separate ways. And Longbow, you know, he gets the feeling like, yeah, I turn my back on this bag man. You know, I shouldn't have did that. And right before he leaves, he turns around with his gun drawn. But. But Joe is already gone and he's went around the corner. And he's there talking with Mercer who tells him like, look, we can get the girl, you know, it's just the two of them. You know, we can we can go in and we, we can get her out type of thing. And Joe is like, no, let me go back and talk to Chittick. Don't you do anything until I get back or whatnot. So he goes back and that's when we get the scene I was talking about earlier where Joe is having a conversation with the chick with App with Hal and um Overitz and Jeffries about like how they gonna handle the situation or whatnot. And Dr. Painter's basically gonna go in with fifty thousand just to kinda smooth things over um and everything until the real money gets there. And then that's when Jeffries and Overitz is basically they're basically CYE, which is cover your cover your own cover your ass basically. They're supposed to just hang back and then this is where Joe gets kind of screwed out of his original plan of where how he decides that no it's best that you know Obritz and jeffrey goes along too to make sure everything goes right because he has such faith in them and i guess you think it's like was it that he has so much faith in them or is it that maybe francesca behind the scenes is telling him like you want to keep them around because of whatever plan that she has with Jeffers, which we, we never truly get that plan. What exactly that plan was, um, and everything. 
I, I just wish they would have went a little bit further with that to find out like what exactly plan did Francesca and Jeffries have and what were they planning to do in regards to Hal Chittick um, in regards to this whole baby thing um, because it's, it's implied that he can't have any more kids because we do find out that Dr. Painter is actually his son and that he's had to get him out of a situation um, I believe it was in Boston or Pittsburgh or something like that. Some I forgot exactly what city he said he was in, but some situation happened that Chittick had to get him out of and everything. So he's only there out of necessity because of the fact that he is a doctor and he basically is owned by his father to some degree. That is why he's there. But other than that, he would not be there because of whatever incident he got himself into back east and everything so that's when we go back to the whole standoff at the uh motel after parking alone by almost get blowed blow to hell by uh robin but they disappear we don't know exactly what it is but robin is trying to leave from this motel and that's when abner shows up oh mercer jeffrey lewis her dad her real life dad he shows up trying to get her to come along with him that's when the federales show up and then that's when jeffrey's obricks and um and sarno show up in their car and everything but we find out that parker and lone is actually off in a distance with a with a rifle and a scope and they've basically been watching the whole scene and that's when this whole thing goes down with the federales get killed and we get into a shootout obricks get shot and thinking that he's dead but he's not they end up jeffrey takes robin and he flees um or whatnot and in the process of this is they ended up kidnapping um Obricks and they get him to tell them exactly where jeffrey's is taking um robin um and everything and it's it's left up to inter to imply that they do kill Obris, but we don't see it. But it is implied that they do kill him, and everything. But what's interesting about this is that whatever the plan was that Jeffrey's got going on is now in play. The plan that Joe had has now fallen apart, but the plan that Jeffrey's had is in play because there's an earlier scene of where we see Jeffrey's on the phone and he calls question mark it's like yeah we're gonna need a room ready and everything so his plan is already going into effect here with without anyone really noticing it and everything so they end up at this out in the middle of nowhere i want to say brothel because there's prostitutes there and everything and the fact that dr painter basically has to he has to deliver the baby because Robin is in bad shape. She she's actually hemorrhaging and everything, but she can't have natural birth. He has to have has to do a C-section type of things. But Jeffries has her in this room and everything with Dr. Painter and question mark, which I like to refer to as fake Cheech Marin um, and everything. And then that's when Parker and Longbow, they show up and that's when the movie really gets to like this big finale of a action shootout of where first we get this shootout with Parker Longbow, Jeffries and and question mark, fake Cheech Marin or whatnot, where they live I mean if you have a a good sound system, the the gunplay that goes on at the end of this movie is, is some of the best 
Um, especially with Benicio Del Toro when he's shooting this freaking uh, rifle, not rifle, but um, assault rifle and everything as he's trying to kill Jeffries and whatnot. And just how that thing sounds, it's like this thing sounds great. And the sound is one of the best when it comes to sound, I would say, um, and everything. But in the process of this whole shootout, Question Mark gets so freaked out and afraid because he's in he's still in the room with um, Dr. Painter and Robin. And he's got his eyes on both doors. His eyes are going back and forth between both doors. He's scared to death and everything. Jeffries comes through the door. He all he shoots. He misses. Jeffries not even thinking. He points the gun, shoots um, question mark right in the right in the chest, and he falls to the floor dead. Um, then after that, he realizes like, oh shit, I I just killed him, but what not? Then that's when Parker and Longbow they show up and. Jeffrey tried to use Dr. Painter as as a human shield, basically. It's like he's gonna kill the doctor so that if he kills the doctor, then the baby dies, Robin dies, and then it was all for nothing type of thing. But Painter, like in in a moment of distress, basically, because he had been carrying around this gun in his uh doctor's bag, um or whatnot. He takes that gun out, he turns and he shoots Jeffrey's right in the neck, and that kills he kills him basically, he bleeds out. Or whatnot. So Jeffries is dead now. So, but during the process of this whole thing is where Sarno with his men, they sh- with his bag men, they show up with with the money, and they they basically put it out in plain sight for them to see. It's like, okay, here's your money, come and get it, but it's gonna cost you, type of thing. And they realize that because once they leave that room, that's when we get this crazy shootout where he they just end up getting to a shootout with with all these uh bag men out in this courtyard and like i say some of the best shooting that you'll see in a movie and it doesn't hurt the fact that christopher mccrory's uh brother who was a ex-soldier whatnot did work on the film as a as a um, supervisor when it came to this stuff so we do get a lot of official tactical type of movement and reloads and everything like that when it comes to Parker and Longbow in this movie um so that's one of the things about this movie I really do enjoy so during the process of this whole shootout Parker and Longbow they do get shot a few times even though they have on vests and everything but they do get shot a few times there's one scene where Parker who is shooting a shotgun just trying because he's the closest one getting to the money he goes and he dives inside of the um dried out um fountain where the money is sitting on top of when he dives inside he because there's a lot of broken beer bottles in there one of the bottles that was broken goes into his forearm and it's one of the nastiest looking things you'll see especially when he pulls it out and i like how they have him have this natural reaction of like he's ready to throw up because he's seeing like the the after effect of what's happened to his arm and everything just how he just kind of you know goes through the emotion like he's about to throw up and everything so i like the realism that they have with a lot of this so in the process of all this is going on as they're in the shootout with with these men sarno who's basically like a freaking i don't know what to call it as he he keeps popping in and out of these windows from up top as he's shooting he only has this freaking six shooter but he he manages to not get shot at all even though they have this these this high high volume weapons and everything he doesn't get shot at all but he manages to like he said to be the survivor and 
he has the drop on Parker, but you can tell he's not really a killer killer because he could have easily shot him in the head and that could have been the end of Parker. But instead, what he does, he shoots him in, in the legs, takes out his knees and he falls down to the ground. And after Longbow kills the last um, bag man or whatnot, he goes over to check on Parker and he realizes that Sarno is behind him and he turns around, but he's out of bullets. And again, Sarno could have easily killed him, but instead he shoots him in the legs. He goes down and they're both laid out on the ground. And what's kind of funny about it is that it comes back full circle to that opening scene of when after they got beat up, the positioning that they are in at the beginning of the movie is the same position they're basically in at the end of the movie, how they're laid out, laying in opposite directions and everything. And we get this last kind of wrap up of where it's basically said that, yeah, the Robin is Joe's daughter. And that's why he had such a, you know, emotional way about, you know how to proceed about getting the girl back because she is his daughter and she was actually working on some type of a plan with this baby um in order to get money to take care of him and everything and like i said there's a little stuff like that that's talked about but we don't fully get the whole gist of the story but we know everyone was basically trying to do something to take care of somebody for somebody else um in a way but it don't go the way that parker and longbow wanted because they're basically left for dead out there. And Joe, he, him and the paramedics, they get the money and they take off or whatnot. And we get this like this last narration from Parker and everything about, you know, it didn't go the way we, we thought it would. We don't we didn't come here for your absolution type of thing. And they're just left for dead. It's, it's left up like, do they die or whatnot? Or do they kind of pick themselves up some way, somehow and, you know, get out of there? But we don't know. They just leave it. But before the movie actually ends, we get this final scene of where Hal Chittick is sitting, sitting down, reading the newspaper. Francesca walks into the room and she's looking out the window. She turns to him and she tells him that she's pregnant. And then the movie goes off. And it's like, OK, well, what was the purpose of them having a surrogate if she could get pregnant? But then it made you question, OK, well, maybe the old man couldn't, you know, actually produce a child anymore but the fact that she was you know involved with jeffries and they were lovers she's pregnant with his baby but we don't know and the way the movie leaves it we just kind of left with this stinger of like okay what the hell was that type of thing um or whatnot so that's how that's uh the way of the gun um and everything um like i say that that last finger just kind of leaves you wondering um or whatnot but overall i mean i enjoy the movie for what it is i i'm i know i kind of dissected certain things when it came to the movie but if you just want to kick back and just kind of an hour and a half you know just try not to think about what's going on so much and just kind of pay attention to like the main story and everything it's a good watch um and everything i get a movie a four out of five i i just enjoy it for what it is uh type of thing yeah i nitpick certain things or whatnot but that's after seeing it so many times and and kind of whenever i watch it i pay attention to i don't necessarily pay attention to the main story anymore i kind of pay attention to what's going on 
with the dialogue with certain characters or like the side characters more so than the main story because the main story is just kind of straightforward but Parker and Longbow they just got themselves in a situation that they themselves didn't realize like how complex they really was or whatnot um if I had to pick a favorite character um I mean it has to be Benicio Del Toro as Longbow I mean he's he's just too cool in this freaking movie he, he doesn't say a whole lot um, whatnot. It just, but it just Benicio del Toro being Benicio del Toro in a movie, which he just knows how to play these type of roles. Where anybody else, they would probably have to try to do more, but he's one of those actors who can do a lot with doing less. Um, if that makes sense or whatnot. But that's why he would be my favorite character and everything. I mean, Ryan Phillippe is good in this movie. And it's funny too that this movie came out 20 years ago and Ryan Phillippe still looks exactly the same now that he did 20 years ago um, or whatnot. But it kind of goes back to something I heard somebody say where, you know, certain actors and certain actors, you know, they, they hit this pocket of where they stop. It seemed like they stop aging or whatnot. And, and Ryan Phillippe is definitely in that class where he's hit this pocket of time where he hasn't aged in freaking 20 years but then maybe 10 years from now he'll probably he'll look completely different than what he's looked like the last 20 years it's weird how that works and it does apply to people in general people tend to do that yeah you might lose some hair you might get a little grayer and stuff like that but the face will stay the same but ryan Phillippe, he's one of those dudes like he looked like he's probably aged what five years since um, I still know what you did last summer or whatnot came out <laughs> or whatnot. He, that's what he looks like. He, him and Paul Rudd, I think they're on the same. Um, you know, they 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 got that same um, thing of where they they seem like they had they've only aged maybe five years in a twenty twenty five year span or whatnot um but yeah everyone in this movie does a good job in the roles they're given tay is playing a bad guy is kind of funny um but he he does a good job in it because his character is very layered and you do question like what exactly is going on with his character and everything um but yeah that's pretty much it uh that's the way of the gun uh, i want to thank everybody for listening uh of course you can check me out on the twitter at um j movie talk or the j giles on twitter um you can follow this podcast on instagram at jmt podcast as well um of course um part of the tv zone podcast network um of course the whole site is anchor but you can listen to tv zone podcast network on all just about i, I would say all of the podcasting apps that's out there itunes stitcher spotify uh, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, like I said, wherever you listen to your podcast, you type in TV Zone Podcast Network and you should find us and you can check out all the different shows, this podcast included, as well as the other podcasts as part of the network as well. Um, I will be back for episode 184 as I'll be talking a movie that has been forgotten called uh, The Beast. Um, it's a war movie. Um, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, and I will be joined by a guest. Um, I won't say exactly who this guest is just yet, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that episode and watching a movie that I haven't seen since I was a kid because 
I think my memory of it and what I'm going to see, I think is two different things right now. Uh, as far as how I remember this movie, especially since I haven't seen it since I was a kid um, and everything. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode um, or whatnot. Again, thank you guys for listening and I will check you guys next time. Peace.